For great interviews, advice, and tips from Jamaican tech and digital pros, subscribe to the Digital Jamaica podcast on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, or any of your favorite podcast layers. Welcome, welcome, welcome to episode 7 of the Digital Jamaica podcast. I'm your host, Kedia Francis, and on the show today, a very special guest, Shireen Taylor. Shireen is the publisher and editor-in-chief of Bashi Magazine, a publication she founded right out of college. And what I love about this space, the Bashi Magazine space, is that they're attempting to do something that I think is very idealistic. And as an idealistic person, I can appreciate why she's doing it and I can appreciate their approach. Bashi Magazine wants to broaden and expand the narrative and the conversation surrounding Jamaica and what it means to be Jamaican. And the way they're going about doing it is to include Jamaican voices and also to include voices that are Jamaican but not necessarily living in Jamaica, existing in other spaces and how those other spaces affect their Jamaican-ness because the entire story needs to be told. Jamaicans are multidimensional, with varying interests, with varying experiences, and it's not a singular story that can define who we are. In fact, Jamaica is greater than its borders. There are more Jamaicans living outside side of Jamaica than is living here. So it's necessary for all stories to be told. And Bashi Magazine is gung-ho and telling all those stories, but also bringing those stories to non-Jamaican publication in an effort to change the narrative of non-Jamaicans about Jamaica as well. And I love her for that. So without further ado, let's hear from Shireen about why she wanted to do this, how she's going about doing this, and why Spice has been her biggest mention to date. Let's get into it. Welcome, welcome, welcome to another episode. I was scrolling through Twitter and I found Basha Magazine. I was like, yes, I like this. This looks good. I like it. <laughs> so I immediately reached Thank out you. to you and you were gracious enough to say yes and here we are so thank you shireen welcome to the digital jamaica podcast how are you today thank you for having me i'm very very well how are you i am good thank you i'm good i'm always good when i'm talking to creative awesome people it's always a good thing so tell us how how did this idea come about why did you want to do this so um I was in my, I want to say maybe my third year. Mm-hmm. I was taking a course at the University of Toronto um, called the History of um, Media. And it was led by a professor that I had like really enjoyed the semester prior, um, but I was taking the class online. Right. So it's optional when you go in or not. One day I happened to be on campus and I decided to go in class. So I went in class and the professor was like, okay, everybody, so today's lesson is going to be on Jamaican sound systems. And I was like looking around. I was like, oh my God, did everybody hear that? We're going to be talking about Jamaica. Like I didn't know that there was space, um, especially in the academic realm, to talk about uh, Jamaica in that way. So that was like the week that sort of like sparked something for me. Mm -hmm. 
um, and I dived into all the wonderful scholars like Dr. Donna Hope and Dr. Sanja Stanley Naya, who are at like at UE right now. Right. Um, and I was like, oh my gosh, I didn't even know all these like folks existed, and I didn't know Jamaica was being talked about um, like this academically. Um, so at the same time, I was the art and life editor of my campus's publication, which was um, a monthly magazine. Right. Um, so the following year, I finished the course, um, and a lot of my academic studies ended up being about um, Jamaica and Jamaica's cultural production. And I was in media studies, so it was really good. And outside of school, I was doing freelance writing. So everything kind of just happened to work where I was able to talk about the things that I love both inside and outside of school. And given the program that I was in, um, there was like a lot, it was very theory based, but closer to the end of um, my time at, at school, I was getting a lot of practical ways to make media. Right. So the following year, I applied to be the editor in chief of my campus's publications, able to get that position, and then I did. I had that position for for a year, and then um, I started thinking about all the stuff that I had gone through, and I was like, why don't I just make my own publication? Uh, and and sort of what was the, the the really big spark for that was that I was commissioned to write this list. Um, about the top 50 dance hall songs and I was like what is the what is the criteria like top 50 of what like dance hall has spanned over x amount of time like what is the criteria based on yeah and the list that came out I wasn't really too fond of it <laughs> so I was like why don't we make um why don't we make our own publication and it was sort of like a culmination of all of my experiences doing freelance writing, having uh, been editor-in-chief of uh, my campus's publication, and sort of about, and talking about Jamaica in a very, um, like, giving it the same kind of dignity that we speak about other things. Right. Um, and that was really important to me, especially uh, being a part of the diaspora and, mm -hmm. like, um, having friends and wanting the desire to stay connected to our roots um as most of our I, I, I should in the context of toronto most of us are like very connected to our roots and yeah. just wanting to maintain that and wanting to talk about that in a in a in a great way and in a in a accessible way too so that was sort of like the spark of bashing right and and the, the thing too is a lot of what you hear about jamaica is not always, for the most part, not necessarily positive. Or right. in, in other respects is that it's what people take away from it without any context and without any right. without any nuance. Like for instance, you were talking about mm -hmm. the top 50 reggae songs. And you're like, mm -hmm. what, what do you know about reggae? <laughs> we don't what you may call reggae or what you may think um, is popular reggae music may not necessarily be popular reggae music in jamaica or to jamaicans right. so again i agree with you what is right. the what is the criteria what what is the benchmark that you're using when it comes to our culture it's almost as if other people think they know best about our culture or what our culture is and it is so narrowly defined um, and it's right. re it's really because we are not the ones talking about it. Right. And I and I want to say this like to a part of I believe that a part of my position is also um, like stepping back and stepping down right. and like shutting up when I need to because mm -hmm. um, a a part of making space for talking about the 
Jamaican experience, um, whether it be diaspora or on the island, is particularly particularly when it's about on the island and on the island experiences that like my voice is not overpowering um, anyone or speaking on behalf of someone unless somebody or one particular person gives me um, says that you can you can tell my story or something like that or okay for you to share this about my experience. Right. So in making Bashi, I'm able to just sit back and allow people to tell their own stories their own ways from wherever they're located Julie, or for wherever their social or um, cultural identities are and just uh, like it's a great way to curate a global Jamaican voice that has voices that are all over the place but especially from the island as well which I believe is important yes that's that's pretty awesome because Another thing too is I hear Americans say it a lot that this or that is not a monolith, but Jamaica isn't a monolith either. There are so many different right, right. there are so many different experiences to be had based on where you come from in Jamaica. You have country Jamaicans, right. you have downtown Jamaicans, you have uptown Jamaicans, middle class Jamaicans, super rich right. Jamaicans. There are so many different <laughs> perspectives and I like that. I like how you do it because it's like I'm not on the Island, so that day-to-day uh, -day I wouldn't be able to speak to right. so I'm going to allow people who are in the day-to-day -to, -day to speak to it and tell that story and that's an awesome way to go about it because so, sometimes the, narr the narrative in Jamaica is that people in the diaspora want to talk over us and feel right. that they are somehow qualified to speak about us right. but they're not here in the day-to-day so I, lo I love I love I love the pullback when you need to pull back and step down when you need to step down but when I read when I yeah. read your mission statement and when I read your your bio what instantly came to mind is Chimamanda Ngozi you know Chimamanda right yeah, and she did a TED talk that talks that's that she was basically saying there's power in telling your own story and changing the narrative, and if you allow somebody else to tell that story, then you're not going to get the real story, right? So that's kind of how right. I see Bashi Magazine. I don't know if I'm on the right chat there. Yes, thanks. <laughs> Thank you so much. I appreciate that. Yeah. So um, what I wanted to find out too is when you got when you got started, how difficult or how easy was it to get people to open up to start telling these stories? Because Jamaicans um, tend I to be a little bit was, guarded. Yeah. Uh, there was I I was I was very like pleasantly surprised. I know initially like um, part of creating. Uh, I guess like a code of ethics for Bashi is that a lot of the times when people not from the island um, like they come to the island and they, they take right and sometimes it's subconsciously sometimes it's consciously so when I say take like they take photos um, they like maybe write about a particular experience and then they go back to like you know wherever they go back to and their subjects are just that subjects um, so part of creating a, a ethical code for Bashi was ensuring that we were giving something back. Um, so like, you know, one of the difficulties in starting up for me was like figuring out a way to make Bashi sustainable. So everybody who contributes and everybody who uh, gives us something, we, we pay them. And that is very, um, that doesn't happen often uh, in some for some publications for a variety of reasons. Right. Uh, but for me, it was important that if somebody was less their story or giving us 
their time or their labor basically by creating something that we were honoring it honoring it with something um, so that was one of the difficulties was figuring out a model that could work so I know when I initially started it I didn't launch it right away because I wanted to figure out something so that's why we have the patreon set up where folks can like pledge um, pledge monthly uh, a dollar of their amount um, so that was one thing and I think that is also part of why people were attracted to it was because they knew that we were honoring people for their contributions and for their work um, so I started off this publication with the literal and like just sole intention of just having Jamaica be spoken about and uh, more importantly archived so uh, I did a panel earlier this year and one of the questions that was asked to me which I never thought about was like how are you archiving your communities or do your communities get archived so I know there's the Gleaner and I know that there is the Observer and the Jamaica Star and like, like all these places on their website you can probably find their archives but when I started to think more largely about like the bigger publications that we enjoy every day like Noisy Fader, Complex, mm. uh, Days, whatever they are they're digital um, archives pockets mm. of right 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 and um, I never looked at Bashi this way, but then I was thinking like, oh my gosh, like one day someone's gonna like type in Bashi magazine on Google and there's literally gonna be um, an entire digital archive, which is like a snapshot of time of where Jamaica was at a particular right. time, uh, Jamaica and its diaspora. And I thought that was really cool. And um, there's also part of like pitching to other publications is trying to fit the narrative of Jamaica within uh, the publication's goals. So a lot of the times when I pitch it, I have to tell them like why this is relevant. And I'm in my mind, I'm like, it's relevant because it's happening. Right. Like, yeah. what, what is the other justification of it being of it being relevant? With Bashi, the the only the only the relevancy is that it's happening and it's empowering us to talk about. Um, like why we do things and and how we do things. I think that part of what uh, allows people to gravitate toward it, towards it is that it complicates the identity and expands the or the explanation or the definition of what being a Jamaican is, or like gives nuance to to those things. So I think that's those are the elements why people gravitated towards it, or why I think people gravitated towards it on feedback conversation. Right, and I and I I, I love that because like is I having a deeper understanding of why how our traditions our cultures how it came about how we mm -hmm. how we still practice it in the 21st going into the 22nd mm -hmm. century um what does it look like what does right. the, what what is the modern perspective because even though we still see these things as old-fashioned all time we still do it we, there's no funeral in Jamaica that happens right. without a nine-nine, <laughs> right? So we we still right. we still do it, but how we do it may be a little bit different, and it's a transcending story. It's a right. it's a never-ending transcending story over generations, and how how subsequent generations take these tradition and culture and then make it their own and then pass it on, and that is what Bashi Magazine is right. archiving, and that is why I'm so excited. Right. You mentioned the Gleaner and these other publications, but they're not easily accessible. The archives, that's one. It's not easily accessible, mm -hmm. and it's not a, it's not a storytelling. It's news. It's like what mm -hmm. happened this day in Jamaica. You mm -hmm. understand what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. So it, it it it's a little bit different. And as you and as you said, it's a digital. It's our digital history. 
be captured and, mm -hmm. and, and, and existing in a digital space. And because that's where the world is going, that's where our story needs to be. So right. I, I love publications that are actively archiving because girl let me tell you something we are not very good at archiving we are not very good at writing down our history and sit. we're not or i don't know if, i don't know what yeah. what's that about we don't we don't collect data we don't child <laughs> so I, I i i love this um when you're looking at traditional and cultural um, aspects of Jamaica? Is it that you focus on popular or is it that you go a little bit deeper into the narrative behind the, the not just the person, but the, the their backgrounds too, if you understand what I'm saying? Yeah. Um, are you talking in regards to Bashir or in regards to my own no, no, I mean the, the persons whose story you, you seek to tell on Bashi. Okay, so work is guided by whatever the theme is. So mm -hmm. uh, for our first issue, it was celebration. Um, and when we did celebration, we were interested in like, our, so our first issue, sorry, was um, the beginning. And our second issue was celebration. Right. But anytime we were looking to do these, um, any stories, we really do want to give nuance or like add context and add a little bit of depth in the things and the people that we're interviewing. So you definitely get a little bit of history. Um, even in our like very, even in something that seems very essay-like, a cultural uh, commentary on something that's happening right now, there's always a little bit of history scattered throughout the piece so you can understand um, where somebody is coming from or understand the even historical con uh, context of it. Something can be very like obviously important to us um talk like talking about nine night is something that is maybe you don't get the space to discuss it but it's not something that you think about talking about out in, in a as a cultural um artifact but i understand that people are visiting jamaica yeah. people are visiting Bashi that are not from jamaica um so for for most stories where we try to give the um, impression as if this is a new person who may be coming across this but for the most part um, the writers don't have to be prompted to do that like they understand the context is necessary mm -hmm. where necessary so so that's a really good thing it's beautiful prose it's beautiful writing it's it's very sharp but it's also accessible to people who may not be well versed in the particular things that we're talking about okay um th that's great and let me tell you why i asked that though because i find that a lot of times when you're trying to tell mm -hmm. jamaican stories you have to start with a mm -hmm. preface <laughs> and you have to give a lot of context <laughs> before you go into it like yeah. i was watching an interview with spice you know spice mm -hmm. um mm -hmm. she was on is it Power 106 with DJ Envy, Charlemagne, the God, and mm -hmm. Angelic? Right. She was on there. Breakfast, Breakfast Club. That's it. Yeah. <laughs> and she was talking about how persons were reacting to her when she called. She called somebody on Love and Hip Hop fat. Yeah. And she's like, yeah. I didn't know that fat shaming was a thing because in Jamaica, if you're fat, people right. call you fatty. And, if, yeah. and if, if you're slim, people call you slimmers. It's, it's right. just a thing. It's not 
something to denigrate or put you down and I was like that is so that is so interesting because that's actually really what happens here we we call people fatty yeah. we use we use your physical appearance and <laughs> to really right. describe you so literally. somebody literally so somebody who's <laughs> of Asian descent is chin everybody who is Asian is right. chin mr. chin miss chin right if you're fat is fatty or fatty boom boom or fatters yeah. or, or, or yeah. something and if you're slim it's slimmers it is nothing right. and we don't take it as anything we're not offended by it it's just a thing as i like, mm -hmm. i'm glad when jamaicans get into these spaces because the 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 interviewers is like really i like, yeah yeah, it's not that big a deal to us out here. I'm glad when we yeah. get get into those spaces so we can contextualize the conversation. Because people thought she was oh she was so rude, she was fat shaming. In our culture, it isn't. It really isn't. So that's why I asked though, because mm -hmm. a lot of our stories have to start with a preface and a lot of context. <laughs> the way the world mm -hmm. is going politically. The, the yeah, <laughs> the beauty of Jamaica, the of Bashi though is that I think um, in creating the publication is understanding who my intended audience is, right. and first and foremost, before it's anybody outside, it's always like the like a Jamaican people. Right. So that's who we're speaking to. That's our intended audience. So maybe there are some conversations that um, that may appear on Bashi that if you're not from like if you're not well versed within the specific culture, you might not understand, and then that's okay because you know what, you can always Google. And exactly. that's a, a really great thing is that you have access to the internet. If you're on Bash, you have access to the internet. So if it takes a little bit of Googling words, I've had to do that. So when I'm reading about cultures or when I'm reading about um, things that are outside of my realm of knowledge, I open up the tab, I do a little Googling, and then I read and then I come back. Exactly. And um, I had an editor once who, like, I, I, I wrote an essay about. Um, I think about like participating in carnival, global carnival experience. And at the bottom of my essay, I had all these footnotes. And this editor was like, do not do that. There's no reason for you to be contextualizing your culture in that way when there's a tab, right? Like they can literally open a tab and do yeah. some reading because that with the normativity of, of, of writing, there's an assumed knowledge. So I'm like, we can assume that our that our readers have a particular access to the knowledge and right. we don't have to labor them with the with the particular things of, of whatever that piece that we're writing about. So if you if you exist, if your identity exists or if you're not too familiar with, I'm I'm just do a little bit of work, meet us halfway. Um, and and Google what you need to Google, and then come back and finish reading. Yeah, but you see, you see how you naturally felt like you needed to have contextualize it. Is I think mm -hmm. I think that's the everyday Jamaican experience when you're dealing with non-Jamaicans. You constantly mm -hmm. feel like you have to put things in context so people understand because our culture may be so different from other cultures that you it, mm -hmm. it's, it's a tendency we have as Jamaicans locally and in the diaspora to explain 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 because you don't want people to misunderstand mm. it's like we have this this thing where we're really cool we're not that bad let me tell you why kind of thing you know um, but but it, but but it's, it's like everybody else is allowed to just freely give of their culture right. and they don't Right. I don't need to explain it to you. It is what it is. Like I have, I have literally stopped asking 
persons or stop responding to um questions or so that comes in over my dms that's not in english because i i kept going it sounds kind of disrespectful to me oh. <laughs> and google is there yeah, so yeah. right so when when persons dm me whether for collaborations or whatever and it sometimes it's not in english they write out everything in their own language no abridged version no english version no. and i'm left yeah. going right okay so i just copy and paste everything and put yeah. it into google translate and go oh okay and then i write back what i want to say in that language and send it no google translate is not correct sometimes yeah. so sometimes they go okay not really yeah. oh i i kind of understand what you're saying but thanks you understand and i think it's yeah. the same for the jamaican language because you know there's this whole mm -hmm. conversation about whether it's a language or not a language right. where do you stand on that and i believe that there's no way to embrace aspects of our culture without embracing Pato and like the living breathing entity that it is um for me being being away from the diaspora for me like language and having access to language is very important to me um, because I'm not embedded in it every in every day as much as I'd like to be. Um, so I understand that I understand that from where I am, but I do know like we just published a very really really amazing essay by Danique, um, who I believe does uh, linguistic studies. Oh, okay. about. Um, Literally, literally the science. Denny, of, Denny, of the 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 artist Denny. No, 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 sorry. Oh, okay. She, her, it was a contributor for Bashi. So okay. <laughs> um, yeah, one of our contributors wrote this very beautiful, um, like essay about the the literal science of Patwa. But a few weeks before we had gone live, there was a huge like uh, debate on Twitter about whether or not like the standardization of Patwa and like why it should be and why it shouldn't be. Um, and I was like, is this a moment where I step back? If I was allowed to give my opinion, I would say that um, I understand just from reading what folks have to. Say there's um, there people are articulating some kind of difficulties in, in standardizing it, but I feel like it's just something that we need to embrace because the more we try to push out things that make us uniquely who we are, the less of who we are we become, and we become these hybrid things. And when I think about language, I think about as a means to communicate, which it is, but it also like a, a historical artifact. A cultural artifact mm -hmm. and it embraces our history and our past um like even though our history and past has a lot of like uh, really like terrible things with regards to like you know colonization and slavery and whatever <laughs> yeah that <laughs> but but i think our our language is indicative of some has some of the remnants and some of the residue of that in it and because uh, everyone speaks it who lives in, in jamaica or most, yeah. most folks speak it so the question of standardization if was allowed to give my input i would say that absolutely we should be mobilizing towards making it being standardized i try to i try to stay away from conversations about standardized first of all it is already standardized i'm not sure mm -hmm. people don't seem to be aware of it um outside of mm -hmm. jamaica i should say because locally our first official language is english 
but it's yeah. not English English it's Jamaican English <laughs> because we have our right. own take right. on English right but the University of the West Indies every year for the last four years they have had um, the Cassidy LaPage distinguished lecture now Cassidy LaPage are two um, very well well-known professors of um, linguistics Jamaicans mm -hmm. and they actually wrote the first Jamaican dictionary Jamaican language dictionary mm -hmm. and they have been very instrumental in because you know we started with Louise Bennett and her advocacy for the Jamaican language and Jamaican Creole right. and they've been very instrumental in the academic arena um, getting the Jamaican language mm -hmm. recognized as this is not a dialect it's a language mm -hmm. because mm -hmm. there's the, the te there's a technical aspect and a scientific aspect to language and based on what they're saying is when you really check mm -hmm. it out we hit all the marks all the all the markers are there right. all the subsets are there we are speaking our own very unique mm -hmm. language but recently they invited John McWhorter now, I don't know if you know of him. Mm -hmm. He's always on CNN talking mm -hmm. about Trump and how Trump speaks and what it means, etc. He's a he's a African American, and he's always mm -hmm. on CNN. He's a professor at Columbia University, and he's mm -hmm. um, always talking about language and um, how when people speak, um, how it translates to the listener and right. what it conjure, conjures up in the listeners minds it, it's very fascinating um, mm -hmm. but he was here he was the guest lecturer um, here and I always try to get involved in that space because I'm I actually attempted to do a linguistics course and then realized that um, well <laughs> it's a no for me but right on <laughs> But I, I, because I'm so fascinated by it and I'm so fascinated by how we speak as Jamaicans. If you should ever sit down and listen to a Jamaican speak, you're going, this is some interesting shit. How we actually yeah. use language. And I'm saying all of this to say that there, I don't see why there's a debate about whether it's a language or whether it's, it's um, a dialect or... I, that I thought mm -hmm. that debate was settled, so I, I tried to stay away from conversations <laughs> because then I realized that sometimes persons are coming from a point of non-information or misinformation um, where they don't realize the advancements that have been made as far right. as academically recognizing where we are in terms of our culture and our language and realizing the absolute power and beauty mm -hmm. in it because if we did that conversation wouldn't have happened it wouldn't have been necessary to have that conversation right in a sense uh, i right. i am i'm glad that you as the editor-in-chief of, of this magazine take that stance where no this is something it, it is a real thing it's at it's the center it's right. at the heart of jamaican culture and we go talk right. about it and we go <laughs> use the language and it is what it is i i, I absolutely I absolutely right. love that because a lot of publications that seek to talk about Jamaica talk about Jamaica in perfect English and I was like that's, that's, that's not Jamaica because that's not what we do here because the right. audience is not a Jamaican audience that's not your audience but with Bashi Magazine's right. audience being the everyday Jamaican people 
using our language is integral to get right. them to buy into what it is that you're doing right. to support what it is that you're doing right. which leads me to my other question what has the support been from Jamaicans or what has the reception been from Jamaicans for this magazine um, I, I, I like wish I could talk to like everyone everyone but for, for the most part mm -hmm. um, and for my assumption which I'm hoping is like an educated the people that it has been um, has been like uh, resonating with um, it's it's been a success mm -hmm. um, so far um, I was like I believe in April I I had been inviting to speak at the tech and culture um, conference at the court auditorium but that was also the first time I had met up with some of the contributors from my first issue so that was a really a really good experience um, so I'm hoping um, that folks are uh, gravitating towards it but I'm also like really huge on constructive criticism so I welcome any kind of critiques of Bashi um, like obviously where they make sense and where they apply because uh, no publication is perfect um, and though we aim to to be um, though we aim for representation and um, certain ideas a certain way like we're we can't ever not be at fault so um, f as much praise as we receive and as I hope that we'd like to receive, I'm also very open to constructive criticism or ways that we can be better. And then where those ways are accessible or, or we're able to be better or where they make sense for our goals or Bashi's goals, um, I'd like to apply it. Okay, cool. So um, which, which, which version of the magazine gets the most play, the digital version or the print version of the magazine? I think the print version because the how do I say this like there's no there's no magazine that I that or sorry not that exists that I have access to that talks about Jamaica the way it does right. so like a lot of the purchases that we have for the digital magazine are um, from the diaspora as well okay um, but that could also in part be that uh, our digital our physical versions are available in Jamaica when I when I drop them off in Jamaica right. which is not as frequently as I'd like to be right. so but I do know that when we did drop them off and when we did sell them like copies that we there they were all taken up and the copies that um people had ordered like we got them all shipped out and everything so um there's that and i know that it's i know with regards to uh, uh the, the issues that it's a it's also a matter of accessibility um and understanding like the, the fluctuating dollar and the value of dollar right. across like mm -hmm. border lines and stuff like that so i think our most successful platform has been um, like the website just because anybody can access it there's no geographic restriction right and we're usually always hitting like Canada UK Jamaica those are always our top three countries um, in rotation so like some months uh, Jamaica we have the highest hits in Jamaica some months it's like Canada some months it's the US recently it's been in the US because um, our spice story did really well so when I was looking at who was coming for um, who was coming to read it. There was a lot of people from the US coming to read our, um, our news thing about Spice. So that was very, that was very interesting. But um, yeah, usually those three countries are always in rotation. Um, and I, I believe like our website is probably our most accessible and uh, probably does the best out of all of them. Yeah, I'm not surprised that Spice story is one of your most widely read <laughs> stories. Let me tell you. <laughs> because I I was really taken aback by how her latest um, production has been received, especially the song about colorism, and then her 
right. her media tactics to promote the song, which I think is actually genius. <laughs> um, it kind of shocked a lot of people and as I said uh, everybody was talking about it Breakfast Club was talking about Wendy Williams was talking about The Real was talking about I was like because it's a topic that African Americans is they are obsessed with that topic of colorism and not obsessed in a bad way because it so affects them on their in their day to day. It is something that they talk about so much that then to have this a Jamaica this Jamaican woman come and it's like she's validating that, that narrative and there's like see it's not just us, we're not crazy because sometimes and, and another thing I think too is that, and this is a critique I have of Caribbean people and Jamaican people, because we don't experience certain struggles, we don't think they're important or we think, oh, people just complaining and people just need to... Jamaicans don't understand african-american struggles mm -hmm. that's that's just the reality of it we don't understand mm -hmm. the struggle of black people in non-black spaces whether that's canada uk mm -hmm. usa mm -hmm. we don't really understand the nuances of that so when we go into mm -hmm. these spaces you're like but when you just complain so much when you just need for this because they're not <laughs> they weren't born into that space and experienced the oppression and all the other efforts that is part and parcel right. of operating as a black person in a white space so when so right. so it's like oh here's this caribbean persons who are normally thought of as not understanding black american struggle speaking to this speaking to this aspect of the struggle in such a honestly mm -hmm. eloquent way um right. in such a con putting it in context and nuance and then calling out the hypocrisy of other black people um right. who perpetu right. it. and i think that's why the reception of it was so good and i think that's why anybody who wrote right. about it especially jamaicans writing about it i think that's why you guys had such a great response she was everywhere though Right, and I would even tap onto that and say that a lot of, um, I think what Spice did, which was really important, was that, um, like, if, I always say this, like, when anybody's ready to, like, buck up in a racism, they're not going to ask you what kind of black you are. It's like you're black, but it's understanding that, um, it's understanding that there are certain, like, cultural things that inform the kinds of discriminations that we face. Right. And I thought Spice was really cool in saying that like colorism exists in Jamaica in Jamaica too and, and adding a very specific cultural context to that. Yeah. I don't know like it's not to my knowledge that like I don't know if bleaching is a thing in the US or like um, as open bleaching is in the US and Jamaica, but even like um, including like cultural notes, making it not um, the issue uniquely Jamaican, but her perspective as uniquely Jamaican talking about bleaching and stuff like that. I thought that was really cool too. So even the, the, I think part of why um, black hypocrisy resonated with so many people, like so many just black folks, like across the diaspora, mm -hmm. um, is that we all face like racism and we also face, um, or, and racism very like overtly and very insidiously as well, right, yeah. but also like colorism is something that we have to tackle and colorism within our own communities is something that we have to tackle and talk about as well. So that's, I thought that was really cool that she was like, um, yes, like we also go through it over here. Like, yeah. This is not a uniquely African-American thing right. that happens. 
and she's a she's somebody mm -hmm. who's like a cultural ambassador she's somebody who right. and this this is what makes her a relevant artist because she can then take a conversation that is happening in black spaces and then give a mm -hmm. caribbean or a jamaican perspective to say right. it happens here too and it what it seems like right. to me is that right, it's, right. it's a thing that happened in black communities right across the globe it's a, it's a thing so here she is mm -hmm. adding her voice mm -hmm. to that conversation and that's that's what gets my goat i love when jamaicans add their voice to important conversations right. in the black community because right. We have a lot to say because we have a lot going on here too, and <laughs> this is our our unique yeah. perspective about it. But I see where you have editors from the UK, editors from the US. You have Jamaican editors. What 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 do they do? What is their role and function? Do they help find stories, or what do they do? So um, a part of making or a part of the goal that I had for Bashi was to. Um, like allow people to understand the I, the very complex Jamaican identity question. <laughs> so for a lot of us, uh, a lot of the debates that I had between folks born on the island and folks born a part of the diaspora is like, uh, um, so like when, when, when I say I'm Jamaican in Canada and in Toronto, people understand that I my parents are Jamaican. Uh, when I say I'm Jamaican to my family in Jamaica, they're always like, ha ha ha. Like, where are the receipts? <laughs> just like, I get it. Because, like, saying, um, saying you're Jamaican in different geographies has different meanings. So uh, if I say I'm Jamaican, like, like I said, if I say I'm Jamaican here, people understand that, like, my family are a family of immigrants. If I say I'm Jamaican in the U.S., people might actually think that I was, like, born in Jamaica and then came here. Um, so it, that, that identity sort of, like, takes a different meaning, um, ge like, geographically. Um, and all of that is to say that because our diaspora is so far reaching, our Jamaican diaspora is so far reaching, I really wanted people to understand that um, when somebody says Jamaican, it it means that it could be that they're island born or that they have like, um, they're of the diaspora. Right. Um, so the reason why we have regional editors is because we just want to make sure that we are in conversation with those cultural notes or those geographic notes. So if there are stories that are very hyper local, they're they're set within a specific um, space or city that that regional editor can be like, okay, yeah, this is this sense or like this is reading well or this reads well um, with regards to the space that we're in. Um, and then our section editors are just, um, they head our section. So we have the art section, the music and the culture. So when we um, write for our sections or when we get stories for our sections, those editors like edit stories for those sections and curate what the sections look like. But we really want to ensure that in talking about Jamaican identity, um, that we are capturing the global voice just because we are literally everywhere. Yeah. <laughs> and we want to make sure that we're, we're honoring those locations, those notes, those understandings and those nuances. Right. Because um, that's that's why I asked, because what I wanted my audience to understand is that Bashi Magazine, even though it's a magazine about Jamaica and predominantly by Jamaicans, you have Jamaicans everywhere. We're like, we come yeah. like salt with it everywhere. Yeah. <laughs> right? In every nook, crevice, and really, corner, yeah. 
you're going to find a Jamaican smaddy there, <laughs> right? Right, right? And 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 our experiences change depending on where we are and those stories also need to right. be told because we're still Jamaicans we st and we we tend to keep our culture and our tradition so close to us even when we are not in Jamaica, and that affects how we interact with the space that we're in. So those stories are also to be told and can also be told and still tie back into the island. Right, and then even like, even so, like even within a country, like the, a 25 year old uh, woman in Mandeville is gonna have a very different experience than a 25 year old woman in downtown versus a 25 year old woman in Montego Bay. Exactly. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like even within a specific, that identity, that one singular identity, or I just said two, but those two singular <laughs> identities like will, will have different meanings uh, like across the island as well. So we just wanted to ensure that that we were being as responsible as we were um, by capturing those narratives and honoring, like, again, like, honoring the everyday Jamaican. Every so when day, I say I'm Jamaican, right. I'm always like, but I'm the diaspora. So, like, I don't know what the day-to-day, -day, um, I don't know what the day-to-day -day looks like for somebody who lives on the island, somebody who commutes through halfway tree to get to work, somebody who has to sit, like, for hours or more toll. Like, I don't know. I don't know what I'm like when I'm there. Right. And, and I, I come home and I come home and I live my life here but I want to make sure that we're capturing those narratives and those stories and those experiences as well as the ones that exist outside of, of the island as well and that's why I appreciate what you're doing because you tend to you tend to be holistic in your approach and that's really appreciated right. because yeah as you said at the top of, of the conversation a Jamaican downtown a Jamaican uptown a country Jamaican three completely yeah. different people <laughs> right yeah, and yeah. to go to even go a step further um i know you you characterize yourself as an afro-caribbean and i had a conversation with you before we started recording um right. as to what that means and you're like well i'm a jamaican of african descent i was like right. i never really thought about it that way because as far as we're concerned you live here you talk like we you're, you're pretty much jamaican yeah. you understand <laughs> but yeah. i remember when sean paul remember when sean paul boss he was like he's yeah. puerto rican He's Latin. He's from Brooklyn. He's like, no, he's he's Jamaican. He's very, very Jamaican. Not understanding right. that Jamaicans can look. Not only do they come right. from different parts of the Jamaica and where they come from tend to have a different definition, but they can look completely mm -hmm. different from each other. Right, right. <laughs> you have Chinese right, Jamaicans, you have um, Afro-Jamaicans, as you say, you have Indo-Jamaicans, right. you have Jamaicans. That you right. can have five Jamaicans in one space and you're going, you automatically pick a black person because you think, okay, that's the Jamaican. Right. But you have some, you have right. what what we we call them we call them um what's the word it just slipped me but <laughs> and that's another thing too there's now a new conversation about should we call chinese people chinese okay you know jamaican people i think we don't call a chinese chinese mm -hmm. mm -hmm. <laughs> now because of the the, the global mm -hmm. conversation about um a cultural appropriation versus cultural appreciation and calling uh, how you call a class or a group of people and how it might be disrespectful right. like the word chink or something like that 
Yeah. It's right. almost as if no Chinese is being put into that same category. And I, yeah. I kind of have an issue with that because I was like, it, 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 with these other terminologies, the N-word, um, yeah. it, it came from a negative place. It, 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 it was meant to hurt. It was right. meant to cause grievances right. and pain. We call somebody Chinese because they're Chinese. It's really that right. simple. There is nothing else yeah. to it. There's no nuance. There's no colors. You're Chinese, so you're Chinese. That's our truncated version of Chinese. We call them Chinese. Or we call somebody coolie because they're Indians. So we call them coolie. But I understand. I didn't didn't know Mm. until recently that, like, like coolie was considered like a derogatory term until somebody like laid out the whole like um history of it right like, I, didn't, I didn't even know exactly but, like you know like um threads on, threads on threads are on twitter all the time so sometimes i just like i come across something and i'm like oh my gosh like, i i didn't know i guess the part in understanding that jamaica is a multi-ethnic uh or multi-raced uh place is that people are bringing in their own experiences and their own histories and right. stuff like that. So I didn't, like, like when you told me about the first term, I didn't even know that conversation was happening, but I definitely heard that um, coolie was a derogatory term, and I was just like, oh, didn't know, I will. And I, can I, I tell you, often, we grew like, up, okay. but that's how we grew up. <laughs> we grew up calling an Indian right. person coolie, and it was right. never, and at right. that time, it was never, don't call me coolie because coolie is bad. It was never that. Now, when you read, when you have experts and people who know their shit, really looking into the history of it and going, okay, so no, not this. <laughs> now we're beginning to have that conversation as a part of a more global conversation to correctly address right. people, to not call people right. out their names, and to be respectful of other races and cultures and stuff so we can live harmoniously. I, I like to still think, call me idealistic, I like to still think that's the goal. Now we can yeah. all live harmoniously. So we are having those conversations um, in in Jamaica because Jamaica is so diverse. There's such a diverse right. ecosystem on this island of so many diverse cultures and peoples and mm-hmm. traditions, and it all melts and mushes. There's this one. There's this one. Let me tell you why I love going to the theater. Caribbean especially. Right. Cinema 5, Caribbean yeah. downtown, crossroads. Let me tell you why. Because, and this is going to be really, really, really ridiculous. The theme song that they play, yeah. the, I, I call it a theme song, but it's really the anthem, but it's a stylized version of the Jamaican anthem. Yeah. And it's a video production. And in it, you have, oh, it's, it starts off, I'm going to send it to you, and you're going to get chills. Please I promise do, yeah. you're going to get chills. It starts out with a bang, which is a shout out to our early um, maroon ancestors. So it starts out with the, somebody mm-hmm. playing the abeng, and then and then mm-hmm. right throughout this two-minute video, it is just this wonderful cacophony of Indians and Chinese, and it is just mm-hmm. it 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 represents just about every single cultural aspect of Jamaica and every time I see it I cry because I've been in the theater like I'm not crying there's just something in my eyes <laughs> but it, it gives me it gives me chills every time because I'm going this place is such an awesome awesome place imagine so many people on this very small little plot of land right coexisting and we really don't have a problem for the most part coexisting in this little space 
and he's like this is so i'm gonna send it to you and he goes it might sound funny to you but when you when you watch it you're gonna come back and go yes i completely understand it gonna give you goosebumps <laughs> and chills yeah man but i'm just i am i am i'm glad as i said before that you're taking this holistic approach and that you recognize finally recognize that jamaican jamaica and jamaicans are ever transcending terms and people right. who are multifaceted multidimensional right. co extremely complex <laughs> People, and we're not just right. what you're seeing. We're not just what you're seeing tourism ads because I don't like that narrative. We're not this. Mm -hmm. We're not a bunch of smiling dreadlock people with coconuts on the beach giving white people coconuts. I really mm -hmm. hate it. So mm -hmm. I, 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 and we don't, we don't say yeah, man. Yeah. Stop it, please. Let's, everyday let, one. Yeah, let's let's kill that. Yeah. <laughs> we don't say cool vibes. <laughs> we don't. Yeah. Okay, and Obama was right. spot on when he said Wagwan Jamaica. That's probably the best yeah. representation by any US president <laughs> ever. So we're right. we're still chuffed about it. <laughs> right? But I, I I love when yeah. we are represented as nuanced people because we are. We're not perfect. Right. We have problems, but we're a nuanced complex people and our stories are so colorful and i love how you narrate i love how the stories are represented in your publication and that's that's Thank why i wanted so to talk to you and i'm so happy that you took the time to talk to me because i know i have a better understanding because when i see people come say you're a jamaican something i'm going really <laughs> show me the receipts <laughs> show me yeah. this what makes you qualify to talk about my country exactly right, thank right. you next so when i came across bashing magazine i was like okay Okay, I like this. This is cool. I approve. Thank you. Thank you so much. <laughs> yeah, man. So finally, before you go, I want to ask you now to give your best advice. Somebody, so as somebody who has a working knowledge of how the magazine life goes, digital publication, representing a culture in all its beautifulness. For somebody who's thinking about starting their own publication, whether it's on Jamaica, or just about anything else, what's 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 your best advice? Number one and number two, if they're seeking to represent a culture, what is your best advice as to how they can go about representing that culture in the most respectful and in the most holistic way, as you guys are doing over by Bashi? Yeah. So a, a lot of the times, um, and like. I feel like I'd be really irresponsible if I didn't acknowledge this. A lot of the times, a lot of creators are creating on the margin. So we don't have access to a lot of materials. We don't have access to a lot of resources. We don't have access to a lot of money. Um, so I'm a huge, 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 huge advocate, advocate for literally using what you immediately have access to, mm -hmm. coupled with, like, you have to hustle. You have to have to hustle to, like, get where you want to be or need to be. So for example, if you have, uh, if you want to do film, there's an entire ecosystem of, um, or sorry, photography, there's an entire ecosystem of people who do iPhone photography. Maybe start out with that. Um, use the things that you immediately have access to, to your advantage, like Instagram. Everybody has an Instagram account. Create a business Instagram account where you show your iPhone uh, photography um, and, and see how you can monetize that. 
if they can be monetized or maybe you work a little bit harder to save up until you get the camera that you need and then thinking about your passions as a business if that's what you want to do so so my number one advice is understanding where you are like currently like what you have access to and really working towards a goal um, even if it's small mini goals before you get to the larger one of getting the things or the access or the resources that you need to get so um, I'll, I'll use Bashi as an example just because that's the most accessible thing is that um, like I had said earlier I really wanted to start this publication but I didn't feel ethical people to do free work for Bashi without honoring their time or energy in some way. So I took a beat, took some months to reflect on it, and I came across Patreon. And Patreon is just a collection of folks that believe in Bashi, that pledge an amount of their desire every month that goes towards covering our expenses and paying our contributors. And then, of course, like my own money as well. Mm -hmm. But um, where, like where you can see or where you are not able to make ends meet, really like take a an hour two of your day and try to figure out okay how can I do xyz and how can I do something with with what I immediately have access to um and that like is a lot easier said than um but that's what like I tried to do and that's what's been most um effective for me is that like okay like maybe I don't have the this kind of tool I want but I can continue doing x and save up my money and hustle around and do whatever I need to do and then I can then I can get the tools that I need to create the way that I want to create um and also because this is a digital uh focused uh podcast thinking about how you can maximize your digital presence um and and really like um if you understand what you do and understand which platform will will allow you to network or meet or or see the people that need to be well, I um I write I have I, I'm annoying and I talk a lot so Twitter is like <laughs> the best place for me to to be annoying and to talk a lot because it's a text-based uh, plat platform and app um, and I can easily share my work and I can easily connect with other art like other editors with folks like yourself with other creatives with other digital creatives that also have a Twitter platform if you are um, a, a photographer maybe Instagram might be your best um, thing but maybe Facebook might be your best thing if you're a photographer because that's where all your clients are so it's understanding the the little nuances of your industry and trying to maximize your digital presence and I feel like like having an Instagram is like and a like Twitter accounts and social media is so underrated for the things that it can do for you oh, in your thank, career oh Jesus yeah can you say that can you just repeat that please that. <laughs> repeat that one more time for the people in the back I really do <laughs> because uh, like uh, a lot of times people can't um uh, like having a website it is very costly but having a facebook page is free having a, a instagram account is free having a twitter account is free being accessible to the people that you're selling a product to on those spaces is i, I wouldn't say it's free but like as long as you know load up your data on digicel or flow and you have working internet connection or have access to wi-fi um and a, and a phone or a computer then then you can do the same kind of things that you would do um, on a website through those channels, especially now since a lot of those um, a lot of those channels are becoming like integrated because you can integrate your Instagram with your Facebook so that you can sell your Facebook products on Instagram and vice versa. So I'm a huge advocate like really leveraging how you can best maximize your digital presence to your advantage and to the advantage of your business. So that's the answer to your first question. <laughs>
question. Um, and the, sec- the second qu- answer to your the answer to your second question is anytime you're creating culture or or I guess writing or producing content on culture is to really understand where my identity lies. So again, understanding that um, my claims to being Jamaican are from my heritage and that much of what informs my day-to-day experiences is me living in Canada and living in Toronto. So um, I can't be speaking on behalf of like what it means to be a a Jamaican who lives on the island unless I interview somebody and I place their words in something that I'm writing and um, quote them and say what the relevance is it and then and speak to it but not speak over it Um, so I always tell people especially people who are creating um, culture or talking about cultures outside of the ones that they immediately exist is to really understand who you are and who you are in relation to those spaces and understand that people talking to you is a privilege people sharing information with you is a privilege um, people opening up their homes or lives or stories or narratives anything like that is a privilege and if you can give back in a way that's meaningful uh, try try to do that if you are able to try to do that um, or if not just make that just make it very clear in your work that um, it is a like a, it is a privilege and honor and not a right for people to be talking to you about they're close to them hi I'm Shereen of Bashi Magazine. You just listened to another episode of the Digital Jamaica Podcast with host Kadia Francis. Love the show? Subscribe, leave a review, recommend, and of course, share. And there you have it. A fascinating, fascinating conversation with Shereen Taylor, founder and editor-in-chief of Bashi Magazine. Again, one of my favorite digital publications. Thank you so much for sitting on and talking to me. Uh, Shereen, please, please go and follow them on their social media platforms at Bashi Magazine on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Uh, visit their website at www.bashimagazine.com. You won't be disappointed. You know I don't bring you foolishness. You know it's serious business. We have going on over here we'll talk to serious people over here so you won't be disappointed go and check them out and also follow shireen it's shireen with three h's on instagram and twitter and she writes for other publications as well so you can check out her other body of work she's she's all over the place contributing some really good articles about jamaica so check her out follow her give her the support we need more jamaican voices um in this space so big up to shireen and the bashi magazine crew and to my audience thank you so much for tuning in to another episode we really appreciate it because of you the platform is growing and gaining in recognition and i i'm so chuffed i'm so happy so continue to follow continue to subscribe um on your favorite um podcast platforms continue to download episodes continue to follow us on our social media platform again on facebook and instagram is the digital jamaican on twitter it's digital jamaican and on youtube it's the digital jamaican right so continue to follow continue to like our content continue to share and just engage with us it really goes towards the growth of the platform and i really appreciate you listening and until next time take care of yourself thank you again
Hi, I'm Shireen of Bashi Magazine. You've just listened to another episode of the Digital Jamaica Podcast with host Kadia Francis. Love the show? Subscribe, leave a review, recommend, and of course, share. For great interviews, advice, and tips from Jamaican tech and digital pros, subscribe to the Digital Jamaica Podcast on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, or any of your favorite podcast layers.